You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin filed a report on the vacancy of the Monroe County Election Supervisor position. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a segment in collaboration between WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. But first, your local headlines. On January 24th, 2024, the Bloomington City Council met for their regularly scheduled session. During Councilmember reports, Councilmember Dave Rollo shared his concerns about recent Indiana legislation that would allow developers to build on slopes that are steeper than the current Monroe County zoning codes allow. He explained that there will be environmental consequences, specifically to the Lake Monroe Reservoir. Our legislature and their infinite wisdom, uh, or rather finite lack of wisdom, uh, passed the House bill that aims to make more land available for housing in Monroe County. Um, This is a state law that basically allows building on uh, slopes up to 25%. We have a 15% limit, and I have some history about regarding that because I was on the Environmental Commission when when we adopted that, where we recommended that to the planning staff. It, It was quite a battle at the time. We had to document the erosion that was occurring. Uh, in area streams. We took photographs. Part of the problem was lack of inspection by the city at the time. Part of it was because it was, um, this, the slope wasn't uh, stringent enough. I can't remember what the sl- slope was at that point, but we, we brought it to 15%. And we started an inspection regime and it, and it helped to uh, prevent erosion. This is a total reversal now. Um, and it, it really affects us here because if one just looks at a topographic map of Monroe County, especially to the east, you can see that most of the slopes, there are tremendous numbers of slopes exceeding uh, 15%, up to 25% uh, in the Lake Monroe watershed. So this is going to essentially spell siltation of our reservoir. And uh, this is ostensibly to increase housing, which is a ruse. It's a trick. I I would argue there's no housing that's going to be built on a 24% slope except for probably a McMansion overlooking the ravine. This is not for affordability. It's not for increasing supply. It's basically for development interests. And unfortunately, they have far too much sway at the state house. So I'll be uh, putting together a, a, a letter for the council if you care to sign it. Uh, to plead with uh, our Senate and our governor to veto or the Senate not to approve this bill um, because this is, has 
direct implications for our well-being. During her council report, Councilmember Hopi Stosberg gave an update on the recent MCCSC meeting and the initiative to make the county's school corporation more socially and economically equitable. Uh, last night, I attended the MCCSC school board meeting, and as many people probably know, education systems is an area I feel passionate about, and I generally try to stay informed both about what might affect my own kids, but also what is generally happening in the system that affects the wider MCCSC community, both positively and negatively. And in a lot of ways, I ran for this seat on the premise that the MCCSC community voice was missing from city politics, and though the two units are hopelessly entwined together, in many ways, they operate in two separate silos. I wanted to change that by at the very least being a voice in city government that gives strong consideration to how what we do or don't do affects the schools as a system and by extension affects the children and families engaged in that system. So it's from that perspective that I want to take a minute and talk about education and some local educational updates. Um, and there's always a lot going on in our schools, right? And, and there tends to be a lot of engagement. Uh, so most recently, and most notably in terms of last night's meeting, uh, relates to the November request that uh, school board member Schur made to Superintendent Hoswald to provide um, some strategy proposals that would improve the balance of socioeconomic status at MCCSC elementary schools. And I'm not going to talk about the specific proposal that was presented at all, but I encourage people to look up the discussion and engage in that and also look for more upcoming information because the school is looking to continue those conversations around um, balancing SES, social economic status in schools, in elementary schools specifically, okay? And there are large inequities around um, uh, school. And I am, uh, over the past several years, MCCSC has been working really hard in the areas of equity and diversity to improve conditions in our schools for all students. And there are large inequities in discipline around racial and economic lines, which lead to increased learning loss in black and brown populations and for children in poverty. The grading systems, like state grading systems, which rank our schools, are primarily based on standardized test scores, and standardized test scores are documented to be more accurate measures of socioeconomic status than they are of learning, growth, or overall student outcome. Grouping high numbers of dysregulated students together has a cascading negative effect and can also dysregulate the adults and other children in the room. And it's documented that outcomes for all children, all children, improve when they are being educated in diverse settings. And I'm not just talking about racial diversity, I'm talking about cultural diversity, I'm talking about economic diversity, I'm talking about anything that makes kids different from each other, anything that makes each of us different from each other. We all benefit when we're surrounded by people who are somehow different from us. Stosberg continued and shared more information on the school system's history with disparity. Current free and reduced lunch rates vary for the 23-24 school year from a high of 78% at Fairview Elementary to a low of 15% at Childs. Free and reduced lunch numbers are just one metric to consider when looking at overall socioeconomic status. And those reasons that I just listed are just a few reasons why I think this investment that MCCSC is generally making in areas of diversity and equity, uh, I think that that time that they're spending and those resources they're spending are really valuable. And I think that that goal that um, uh, board member Sher put out about trying to balance um, elementary SES is a worthwhile goal, okay? But MCCSC is fighting an uphill battle to balance SES at the elementary level. 
historic segregation, first on specific racial lines through redlining and racial covenants, then through zoning restrictions that created and continue to create economically advantaged neighborhoods, have created a system of segregated housing opportunities in Bloomington. There are pockets of wealth and pockets of poverty, and those two rarely mix. I lost track of the number of public commenters and school board members last night who referenced segregated schools during the meeting. And to be clear, they were not talking about racially segregated schools. They were talking about income segregated schools. And of course, that has a trickle down effect on, on racial and cultural and ethnic lines, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. Okay. The focus on equitable practices district-wide that the school is doing, including this proposal from the superintendent and the uh, ultimately renewed conversation about a complete redistricting of elementary schools in, within MCCSC are all evidence of the ways that MCC as a system is trying to do better. And based on the public comment last night, the majority of stakeholders seemed to um, agree that MCCSC could do better and should do better. The only item on the council's agenda for the meeting was to transfer funds from the Motor Vehicle Highway Restricted Street Fund into the Motor Vehicle Highway Fund and to additionally appropriate ARPA state and local fiscal recovery fund expenditures that had not already been otherwise appropriated for 2024. City Clerk Nicole Bolden read the title and synopsis of the ordinance. Appropriation Ordinance 2024-01 to transfer funds from the Motor Vehicle Highway Restricted Street Fund into the Motor Vehicle Highway Fund and to additionally appropriate ARPA state and local fiscal recovery fund expenditures not otherwise appropriated for 2024. The synopsis is as follows. This ordinance corrects an inadvertence closeout on December 21st, 2023 of an open purchase order funding a grant agreement between the city and the United Way to address housing insecurity. By additionally appropriating $1.5 million, the city council approved in 2021 for this purpose and also makes the additional housekeeping adjustment required by the State Department of Local Government Finance in order to move the funds budgeted in the restricted motor vehicle highway fund into the motor vehicle highway fund. Corporation Council Margie Rice expounded on the appropriation ordinance. For those um, new members, let me tell you that basically the city does a budget for a year, an annual budget, and if we need additional money that is not in that budget, we're required by state law to come forward to the council. We have to publish notice to basically put the taxpayers on notice like, hey, we're spending more money than we told you we were going to or we're at least proposing to spend more money. So we have to advertise it as a hearing, come before you and ask for permission. Um, tonight I'm asking for permission for one additional appropriation and a transfer, and I'll give a, a summarized kind of what's in your packet. Um, I will tell you on the additional appropriation, we have a couple representatives from United Way here if you wanna ask them any questions about it. So essentially during COVID times, the city um, decided to give $2.7 million to United Way to deal with housing issues. There were, weren't a lot of details in that agreement. Um, the 1.2 million was already given to uh, United Way. There was another 1.5 that was gonna be given later in a second installment. And accidentally, the end of last year, uh, the controller's office closed that purchase order out. So they contacted the state and the state said, you're going to have to get an additional appropriation for that remaining 1.5, which is why I'm here. 
We also, um, during the transition, Beth Kate and I had some conversations and she said, hey, that kind of bare bones agreement that we had on the ARPA funding needs to be renewed, extended, and, and a detail about the ARPA restrictions need to be added. So Beth was great in the transition. She, um, and ARPA has sort of shifted, you know, there's been a lot of like uh, guidance changing as it comes down from Washington. And so Beth drafted a, a um, preliminary amendment uh, for me to review and um, it said it really needed to be done by January 31st, which uh, I've met with United Way. I've talked with Mary Morgan and with Randy. They're both here tonight. We may do an extension, give ourselves a little bit more time than January 31st to work on that um, larger amendment. But So what I'll do is we'll just do a real quick, hey, we, we agree to, to, you know, another month to work on this. Um, and then we'll we'll have a beefed up agreement that's got the ARPA language because essentially we're responsible for reporting um, how we spend that ARPA language. So we need to make sure any subrecipient also understands those reporting requirements and agrees to them. And we want to have more detail in the subrecipient agreement and the agreement to, with United Way about exactly how um, they intend to spend the balance of the $2.7 million. Local resident Trin Piedra addressed concerns for people who are unhoused and urge the council to consider additional funds for that community. I wanted to start by thanking you guys for your time today as well as your patience because I'm a writer, not a speaker. Um, <laughs> from my understanding, this council meeting partially, partially exists to make decisions on the allocations of the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, an economic recovery plan where territories are to receive $4.5 billion. If it's not this meeting, I know it's out there somewhere. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about a little bit in terms of allocating. Um, I'm here today with a duty to some of the people I love to inform you of a massive gap in our public safety and well-being that can only be addressed through financial support and collaboration. I understand it's hard to admit the shortcomings of a city many of us work for, but I'm asking you to meet me with a place of mutual love and capability. Um, we've already talked about it today, and you may or may not have seen the article published by the Herald Times titled Monroe County Volunteers Scrambled to Prevent Homeless People from Freezing to Death. Uh, this was far from an exaggeration. If anything, not enough was said. Um, I'm here with a bunch of the people that collaborated with me to or organize and administrate this. Many of us, this is the first day I have looked and felt human in two weeks. I didn't sleep more than 20 hours while this was happening. But people would have died. That's the reality. Um, this project couldn't have existed with other people with me, so thank you. Um, I myself have now worked in harm reduction for two years on the ground, going to the places many people are too afraid to even admit they exist. Um, this, this is just simply not appropriate. I, I hate to be blunt, but these homeless communities are folks as mothers, fathers, uncles, brothers, and sisters, um, and I see many of them as my brothers and sisters as well. Um, I'm sure many of y'all have kids. I'm only 22 years old. I don't imagine you'd want them to experience the loss that I or anybody else have experienced. Um, and I, I, I guess I'm asking us to humble ourselves today as people. Um, we can talk here from the comfort of this warm, nice conference room, clock out, go to our warm environments with our pets, families, friends, loved ones. There's a lot of people that can't do that. 
and there's a lot of people who can't access the resources we still have. Stride Center, Wheeler, um, Shalom, we can talk about them all day long, but the reality is those places aren't meeting needs either. Um, I guess I'm asking kind of a big ask, right? But the allocation of the funds from this, from this bill, correct me if I'm wrong, um, still needs to be addressed before the end of 2024. Um, there are people here whose skills are so absolutely valuable to what we are trying to accomplish um, as a larger project for temporary shelter and more. Um, there are steps that we need to take um, as a team to do that. And a lot of the problem is just simply not enough funding. There are people who could do this all day long. I've done this all day long. I love it. I wouldn't do anything else with my time, but I don't have any money in my pockets that can fix anything. During public comment, local resident Kyle Halverson took to the podium to address concerns about allocating funds to assist people experiencing homelessness. We haven't shown the common decency to take care of our people. I put that on all y'all, you know, like that's up to you guys. I don't have that power. So that's up to you to figure that one out. But I would really, really, um, I'd really, really hope that we can do something before someone actually does freeze to death this year, because that is a very big possibility. Thank you. The council approved the appropriation ordinance by a unanimous vote. The next Bloomington City Council meeting will be held on January 31st. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin filed a report on the vacancy of the Monroe County election supervisor position. We turn to Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an item from a recent installment. Election Supervisor Vacancy Letter from League of Women Voters The Monroe County Election Supervisor position is vacant again. For B-Square background, look for a news report with the headline, Monroe County Election Supervisor Job Vacant Again, 90 Days Before Voting Starts. On that topic, the League of Women Voters, Bloomington, Monroe County, has released a copy of an email message that it sent to Monroe County Clerk Nicole Brown and other county officials on Thursday, January 25th of this year. There's a copy of it that has been posted to the bloomdocs.org website. It's a short message from the League. Here's the final sentence, quote, in the strongest possible terms, the League urges county officials to take immediate action to fill the position of election supervisor and to ensure that Monroe County's election staff are in place to deliver a safe election process with impartiality, consistency, and accuracy, end quote. Even though the message calls on county officials to take action, it's only Brown as clerk who has the authority to hire election division staff because they work out of the clerk's office. There is a provision in state law that allows for the responsibility to be shifted to the three-member county election board, of which the county clerk is a member. 
but that shift would require a unanimous vote of the election board. There's nothing on the topic for the February 1st meeting of the election board this week. Anyway, it's the clerk who posted the job on the county's website. In the posting, the qualifications are spelled out like this. Baccalaureate degree and project management experience and experience in overseeing elections preferred. Must be a Monroe County resident. The starting salary is listed as $55,674. The deadline for application is listed as January 24th, which was a few days ago. As a practical matter, I think the fact that the link to the posting still worked last Friday morning means that applications could still be sent in even now. Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. Up next, we have Lil Bub's Lil Show, a segment in collaboration with WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We turn now to that segment. Welcome to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a weekly co-production from WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We highlight adoptable animals with special needs in South Central Indiana and spotlight topics to promote human animal welfare. First, here is today's featured animal. Freya is a bully breed mixed dog, a little over three years old. The City of Bloomington Animal Shelter describes her as an absolute treasure. She came to the shelter with her younger sister and nursing seven rowdy puppies. Now she's single and ready to mingle. Freya is thriving in a foster home with another dog and cats, and her foster guardians think very highly of her. If you're looking for a serious snuggler who's chock full of kisses, Freya might be the one for you. If you're interested in meeting Freya, please reach out to the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter. If you're interested in adopting today's featured pet, you can learn more at our websites, goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. You're listening to Lil Bub's Lil Show, a co-production of WFHB and Lil Bub's Big Fund. We now turn to this week's featured topic. According to the Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, cases of canine respiratory disease that do not respond to regular treatment protocols have been increasingly reported across the country. Affected dogs experience a longer and more severe disease course than is typical for canine infectious respiratory disease complex. A common cause or set of causes have not been determined. Common signs of respiratory disease to watch out for include coughing, sneezing, labored breathing, nose or eye discharge, fatigue, and decreased appetite. It is recommended to avoid high-risk situations for dogs such as boarding kennels, 
dog parks, and doggy daycare facilities if you are unsure about the health status of other dogs in those environments. It is also recommended to avoid sharing dog bowls, toys, or chewable treats between dogs. It is important to ensure that dogs are up to date on their routine vaccinations. Checking with a veterinarian is advised if pet owners are unsure of their dog's immunization history. Thank you for tuning in to Lil Bub's Lil Show on WFHB, produced in partnership with Lil Bub's Big Fund. For more info on today's featured animal and topic, find us online at goodjobbub.org and wfhb.org. WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noel Herhusky Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Askins. Lil Bub's Lil Show is produced by Christine Brackenoff and Stacey Brodovsky. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Spectrum, a program exploring the worlds of science and technology. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 